Welcome to Biblical Higher Ed Talk, where we tap into the wisdom of leaders and practitioners of biblical higher education for the advancement of colleges and universities teaching the way of Christ in the modern world. Each week, we'll tackle topics around leading your organization, expanding your impact in the world, and deepening your faith through Christ-centered conversations. Ready to make a difference in the lives of your faculty, staff, and students? Then let's begin our journey. Today on Biblical Higher Ed Talk, I sit down with Joanne Jung, Associate Dean of Online Education and Student and Faculty Engagement at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University, to discuss her new book, co-authored with Richard Langer, The Call to Follow, Hearing Jesus in a Culture Obsessed with Leadership. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm your host, Philip Dearborn, president of the Association for Biblical Higher Education, and we are honored to have as our guest this week, Joanne Jung. Joanne serves as the Associate Dean of Online Education and Student and Faculty Engagement at Talbot School of Theology at Biola University in Southern California. She's an amazing leader. She's an author and passionate about spiritual formation. And Joanne, you and I got to know each other a little bit over the last couple of years as you've led a couple sessions in our online education conferences for ABHE. I've invited Joanne uh, to have a conversation uh, around her new book, uh, The Call to Follow, with a byline which I absolutely love, and we'll actually dig into this one. Uh, The byline of the book says, Hearing Jesus in a Culture Obsessed with Leadership. This book is co-authored with Rick Langer, your colleague there at Biola. And so welcome, Joanne. So glad that you can join us. Oh, thank you, Phil. This is an honor and a privilege. Thank you for having me. Great. So we're going to dig into the content of the book here in a second. Before we do that, I want our listeners to, to get to know you a little bit. And in order to do that, tell us, as you reflect back over your experiences, tell us a defining moment that God used to propel you forward, either in your professional or your personal life? Okay. Well, there would be so many. It would take up our whole session and then some. But I think one that often comes to mind is going for my, uh, going for my PhD and doing PhD studies with the English Puritans. Uh, don't I look like I'd be interested in the English Puritans of the 16th and 17th century? They have become some of my best old dead friends. Their theology is so sound. And I was just just remarkably surprised by their theology and by their writings. And one of the things that I discovered was something that they called conference. And so in their conferencing, they would call it holy conferencing, they would blend, no matter where you were on the biblical literacy spectrum, they would blend biblical literacy with soul care. And I thought, wow, that's really an amazing thing. And and that has helped propel me in my own personal conversations, as well as those that I have with students, with colleagues, just everywhere and anywhere, anytime that I speak with people and have conversations that somehow is always on the back of my mind. And so it shows up in my writings. It shows up in, again, in my conversations. So this idea of conferencing Blending biblical literacy with soul care has just been so important in my life. Yeah, yeah. 
And you and I have had a chance to have a, a couple conversations in the sessions that you've led at the ABHE conferences is has a lot to do with the spiritual formation, specifically with online students, where one may assume that, uh, well, you know, online students, it's just about content working towards the degree, kind of more of a transactional engagement. But I can see how that has defined even how you approach online education. And you're very passionate that spiritual formation can be and should be done through online education. Yes. And, and done very well. Right. Yeah. So that's what I encourage our faculty to consider and exercise with their classes. Great. Good. So let's get into the content of this. And uh, so you've co-authored this book and pull back the curtain a little bit for our listeners. Uh, you, you were so gracious to provide a copy of the book and I had a chance to read it. And so pull back the curtain a, a little bit. Why this particular topic? What's kind of the story behind the story of you writing this book? Oh, well, this is the first time I've had a co-author. Rick and I co-authored this book and I, I wasn't quite sure how it was going to, to work out. But prior to this, in our building, Rick's office and my office are in the same building, but on a different floor. But I call these um, conversations that happen in our hallways, um, theological jam sessions. And we would have, Rick and I would have these theological jam sessions. And we noticed that our culture has this emphasis on leadership, both inside the church and outside the church. It's kind of infiltrated the church. But we, you know, we both agreed we need leadership and leadership is extremely important, but we need good and faithful leadership. Rick and I decided that we were not anti-leadership. We were just pro-followership, and we wanted to put an emphasis on that. So our theological jam sessions became more conversations on how do we approach this? I have to say, when we address the issue of followership, we knew that whoever published our book would take a risk because everyone wants to be a leader. Everyone is gets a shout out if they are a, a leader. And we knew that whoever would pick this book up was taking a risk. And so I just have to mention Crossway. They were extremely helpful, encouraging, and um, supportive in our endeavor to write this book on followership, even though we stuck in the word leadership, uh, yeah, <laughs> with a culture yeah. obsessed with leadership. Yeah. Well, and I think the topic uh, assumes that somebody's going to uh, follow. The assumption is that there's a leader to to follow along the way. So, so in 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 a hallway conversation, you then just decide, okay, well, then let's write a book. Is that kind of how it how it happens? Yeah, well, quite not quite that quickly, <laughs> but we started <laughs> gathering our ideas, um, gathering what we saw in culture on its emphasis and emphases on leadership. So it comes up with the number of books. You know, we we did some research and found the number of books that are written and released each year or over a period of time on leadership versus that of followership. And that came out to be quite remarkable. Then added to that, we would see ads. In fact, just the other month, I saw an ad for um, a phone company and digital phone company, and they were advertising you you don't want to be this and they had a picture of a sheep of sheep and i thought oh there it is again you know you don't want to follow everyone else you want to be on your own so this idea of followership is just kind of diminished and demoted and ignored 
But then as Rick and I continued to talk, we thought, well, wait, we are called to be followers. We're called to be disciples of Christ. And I know we're, Rick and I said to each other, you know, we're not going to hear, we don't want to hear at the end and we won't hear at the end. Well done, my good and faithful leader. But what we'll hear and what we long to hear is, well done, my good and faithful servant or follower. Wow. Wow. So talk a little, and you kind of touched on this and the byline of the book, which, which I already referenced in the intro, I, I really love hearing Jesus in a culture obsessed with leadership. Talk, talk to us about that obsession. Uh, a little bit. You reference you reference the billboard, the literature that's out there. T- talk to us a little bit more about that. Oh, I think the one key one that really grabbed my attention were the Girl Scout cookies, because one of the things that Rick and I started noticing is that leadership gets promoted at all levels, in elementary school, all the way up to senior citizens. You want to be that leader. And when I came across, it was the 2020 season of Girl Scout cookies. And one of the Lemon Up cookies, were, they were stamped with, I think there were four different messages, but one of the messages was, I am a leader. So you're eating this cookie, you're reading this cookie, and then before eating it and saying, I am a leader, reinforcing that you are a leader. And these are Girl Scouts. And, and they are elementary age girls. And I'm thinking, wow, where where will it go from here if everyone then is who eats this cookie uh, says that, you know, affirms that they are a leader? Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? What, what's contributed to that? Is that a did, did you look, you know, is it a historic thing? Is it always something there that has always been present? Is it a more modern thing that that we experience in our, is it an American thing? Is it a Western civilization thing that we're so obsessed with leadership? You know, I think we could, we could even go back to biblical times and the biblical narrative and see stories of what I might call kind of subtle temptations of pride where we want to be the one, we want to be the one that gets the focus, the one that gets gets the accolades. We want to be the one um, who's at the center of the universe. And in order to do that, then our culture, um, particularly our American culture, wants to self-promote ourselves, <clears throat> self-promote. And to that level, of course, I'm a leader. I'm going to aspire to have that um, corner office. I'm going to uh, aspire to have those that that um, nameplate on the door or that signature line on my email. Um, those are the things that I aspire to because it'll show that I have prominence, I have value. And in God's kingdom, though, our value is not in those things. But th- that those are the very things, the things that God desires are the very things that enrich our lives and that enrich our relationships. And we forsake those things when we focus so much on, I need to be the leader, or I'm called to be a leader, or others are telling me I need to be a leader. So I guess I must step up type of thing. Almost almost an expectation that if you're not doing it, or you're not seeking it, then somehow you're doing life wrong. Yes, or that you're a failure. Right, right, right. This gets a little bit deep, too with it because I think it 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 connects with what you just said, perhaps the entanglement of our sin nature of self-centeredness drives some of our desire to to seek after leadership, which is a wrong desire to have when it's motivated by it's a it's about me and what I want. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think um, so much of our focus when it is on leadership, and again, we're not anti-leadership. We need strong leadership. And I believe the best kind of leader is an excellent faithful follower where they're following God, they're following, um, they're being a disciple of Christ, and they are leading with great integrity and godly character. With so much emphasis on leadership, it automatically diminishes our focus on being a faithful leader. And, you know, again, one gets more of the attention than the other. And so that shows up also in our lives. We don't focus so much on being a good follower. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is sponsored by ABHE, the Association for Biblical Higher Education. At ABHE, bringing the love and light of Christ to the world is reflected in our drive to see our member institutions flourish, leading them to a time of success for their institution and giving them the tools and insights they need to look toward the future. Interested in learning more about membership with ABHE? Visit us at abhe.org or send us an email to membership at abhe.org. ABHE is your partner committed to advancing biblical higher education for kingdom impact. Now, back to the show. So talk a little bit about the the theological element of you know, Jesus is the ultimate leader, right? Books have been written about Jesus as the servant leader, and obviously he was. There are so many leadership principles that we can learn from who Jesus was and how he led his disciples, yet he was a follower too. Philip, that was a point that the Lord brought to my mind, and I wrestled with it before even mentioning it to recommend are you sure? It was just so difficult for me to be able to say Jesus was a follower because we all know and hear how Jesus was the ultimate perfect leader. And I thought, how do I bring this up? You know, am I, am, am I, is my theology off? And I kept wrestling with God about this. And then he said, okay, it's okay. Go ahead and talk to Rick about this. So I did. And I said, I, I, I remember that conversation, Rick, I don't know how you're going to take this, but I believe Jesus was a follower. And when Rick heard that, Rick was a former pastor. He said, it was like light bulbs went on for both of us. And he, he looked into it. He researched then passages from John where he found so much. Now with the lens that Jesus was a follower he saw all, and, and we both saw all kinds of things where Jesus only did her, um, uh, preached, taught, and followed through with what the, the God, what God the Father required of him. And we think, wow, that is a follower. And yes, he was a leader, but he was the perfect follower. So, so then that means that what that means for us is if Jesus was a follower, how could I be any less? Right, right. Yeah, and, and we know from Scripture, not my will, but yours be done, cer- certainly gives a sense of followership, right? So one of, the, one of the things that you talk about in the book that I had to read twice and, and make sure I was, because I've kind of always been in the context of, well, everybody's a leader. I mean, surely everybody's a leader, and everyone has leadership 
uh, opportunities, but you you kind of challenge that in the book. So what's one of the harm? What's wrong with saying that? What's the harm in saying everybody's a leader? That we can approach those and accept those as we follow Jesus, as he allows those opportunities. But to call to call everyone a leader, uh, it, just by virtue of the definition of leadership, it means, or being a leader, it means that people are going to be following you. So if everyone's a leader, who's going to be following? And there again, I think it diminishes the role of a follower. We need faithful followers. Yes, as excellent godly leaders, but we need faithful followers as faithful followers. And we want to, uh, Rick and I wanted to lift up the calling of being a follower. We never stop being a follower, yet it gets so very little attention. So I think that that was our goal, is to say that followership is a calling unique and necessary in and of itself. So do we have to add leadership to it? And I think it's funny, even the term servant leadership, one of our, one of the folks that we kind of spoke to about this as we were writing the book came up to us and sent us an email saying, you know what? The term servant leadership is not even in scripture. It's be a servant. And how easy in our, even in our church contexts, we want to add leadership to things. Oh, well, yeah, we're a leader, but we're a servant leader. So it's still that drive to put in leadership somewhere. And so I, I read things now as I want to be a good follower. And wherever I'm called to lead, I want to follow Jesus well as I lead. And, and there again, it's we never stop being a follower, a Christ follower. And so that should influence and impact everything we think, do, and say. Yeah. There, there, there's an essence to, in, as you're talking, it's what are we pursuing? Are we pursuing positions of leadership or followership, or are we just pursuing in obedience what God has called us to? And whether leadership or followership happens as a result of that. Here's a question that we do not, as Christians, ask often enough of ourselves and of God. And the question is, God, what is your perspective? With biblical literacy, eh, you know, which can always be improved, in order to answer that question, God, what is your perspective? We need to be in scripture. We need to have that relationship, deep, continuing, sustaining relationship with God through his word. Then we would best be able to answer, God, what is your perspective? And because we don't ask that question often enough and perhaps are not in scripture deep enough to know, yeah, this is what God would want. This is his perspective on this person. This is his perspective on this challenging event. This is his perspective on the situation that I'm about to enter where where I'm sensing great opposition. God, what is your perspective? And then respond with, and not react, but respond to those situations, those relationships in the power of his spirit. I think that's so critical. That's that hearing Jesus. How do we hear Jesus? Well, how are then we hearing his spirit? How are we listening and obeying his spirit? Mm -hmm. And if we're pursuing the leadership and the position, we oftentimes mute out that. Yes, absolutely. And, And we often mute out just the person of the Holy Spirit. 
who is the direct agent in our transformation. So we should really be putting a little bit more emphasis on our communication and our reliance on Mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. So obviously in this book, you use the term followership and you talk about some of the stereotypes and you, you list a bunch of those. But what would you say are your, as you listed those, what are the top two stereotypes about about followership that we just have to dispel with? Oh, that we are like sheep, you know, that we're just followers. We have no mind and no impact and no decision-making capabilities that we're kind of mindless, so to speak, and essentially valueless. I think that's my top one with regard to these stereotypes of followership. And, but it's really interesting that in scripture, sheep are, and, and we have this idea that sheep, you know, just follow, follow. But in John, what you're going to discover is that sheep know the shepherd's voice. They hear the shepherd's voice and they follow him. At the same time, Because they hear and know the shepherd's voice, they are also discerning about a voice that is not the shepherd's. So they're able to um, distinguish the shepherd's voice from any other voice. I think that's critical. So I don't mind being called a sheep. (laughs) I don't mind being called that kind of a follower because I long to know the shepherd's voice and to follow him and to be able to discern a voice that is not the shepherd's. It, that, that's an interesting one, too, from the perspective of the negative connotation. And yet scripture does use the example of sheep and we are and he is the shepherd. Right. So so it, it, it is hard to dispel that for sure. What other stereotype? One other stereotype. You know, I think another stereotype, and you alluded to this earlier, that it's an being a follower is an unworthy goal. You know, it, it's because you failed at everything else and that's why you're a follower. And therefore you're you're just left to follow everyone else's command. You have no voice, you have no opinion, you have no value. And I think that simply needs to be changed, particularly if we are following Christ as the shepherd. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a that's an important perspective too, because I think we're also very uber aware in our culture that if we just, you know, become a doormat and all right, well, whatever happens, people are going to abuse that. They're going to abuse authority. They're going to use their position authority. Well, if I'm a follower, that just means I have to go along with whatever it is. And you open yourself up to power abuse situations, but that's not what followership is. Right. Right. And I think that aspect of followership is no matter where we are with or without opportunities to lead. Can we see how God is using us as a faithful follower in the very situations that we are given? Um, In the book, we talk about um, facilities folks. We talk about um, various people in a number of contexts where how can I as a follower value someone else who is probably a follower or not maybe a follower at all of Christ? And how can I reflect Christ as I follow him to the world around me. And I, I think that's critical. And I don't need a leadership role or title uh, to do that. Yeah. So we're, we're getting towards the end here of our podcast. So one, one, one last uh, question that I'd uh, like 
for you to talk about, and we've referenced this before, that there are actually some rewards to, to, to followership. And in your book, you list out a, a, a number of different rewards. What are your, what are your top th- two or three rewards of, of followership? Well, maybe you've picked this up in this session already, but just the personal reward to know that I'm following Jesus, that, to know that I'm obeying him. And, and sometimes I hear during the day just that, well done. <laughs> well done, Joanne. And that is so rewarding, knowing that the creator of the universe has his eye on me and his ear to hear my conversations, to see how I long to obey him. When I mess up and when I when I succeed, but he's there and he encourages me to follow well. I think another just huge benefit and reward is our organizations. And it's easy to think leadership, fellowship in our organizations, in our workplaces, but we forget how about in our ministries? And I'm particularly interested in how about in our families? How do we exercise followership with our significant others with our spouses with our children and this comes back to the the english puritans in this conferencing thing they cared about every relationship that they were uh, ordained to have and i cannot help but think if we instill the calling of being a faithful follower at all these levels it it moves beyond our marketplace it moves beyond our offices and it involves and includes our ministries church ministries, parachurch ministries, and particularly our families. And ultimately, I know it delights God. It just moves him to see his children, to see his sons and his daughters finding joy in following him. Oh, that's just so, so that well said. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. that delight. Yeah. One, one more? One more benefit? Oh, one more. Oh, gosh. When I talk about relationships and combining relationships and and conversations together, following God, those relationships with my colleagues are particularly struck uh, and influenced by being a follower. Um, You mentioned I'm an associate dean of online education and student faculty engagement. I frequently pray and ask for wisdom. And that is the aspect of followership that I want to share and be an example of with my colleagues. Um, And um, God has been faithful that way. And in in a reverse way is leading by example, by being a follower. So in in essence, there's an element of leadership, right? Yep. Well, Joanne, this was this was fantastic, and I encourage uh, our listeners to pick up to pick up your book. It's called "The Call to Follow: Hearing Jesus in a Culture Obsessed with Leadership," co-authored with your colleague Rick Langer. And I'm sure the listeners who have engaged with this uh, episode, we all wish we could have you as our professor. Oh, kind of you. I've told you that many times. That you are a genuine person. And uh, your students are blessed to have a professor like you. So thank you for the work that you do uh, in Christian higher education. Uh, you're, you're doing a, a phenomenal job. Thank you. And uh, we just want to encourage you in, in, the, in the work that you do. So thank you for joining us. And until next time, until next time, stay kingdom focused.
Thanks for listening to Biblical Higher Ed Talk. For more, follow or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're delighted that you chose to spend a part of your day with us and encourage you to reach out to us with feedback, topics, or guests for the show. You can get in touch with Philip, your host, via LinkedIn or at biblicalhigheredtalk at abhe.org. Biblical Higher Ed Talk is a production of the Association for Biblical Higher Education in association with Westport Studios. Views expressed on this show are those of the participants and may not reflect the views of ABHE or Westport Studios. Bring light and life to your biblical higher educational organization by inquiring about membership with ABHE at abhe.org. We'll catch you next time.